Welcome to the New England Football Journal podcast. I'm John Serenitas, and as always, joining me is my esteemed colleague, Kevin Stone. Kevin Stone, how are you, my man? John, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and obviously I'm going to jump right into it. Of course, this past weekend was the NFL draft, and it was a little different, a little bit of a different experience with the virtual NFL draft. We're going to get into that in our next segment, but I want to start off with the Patriots not drafting a quarterback. It's obviously been a hot topic in this area for the past few weeks, particularly since Tom Brady departed, but we all thought that Bill Belichick was going to take a quarterback in this draft. He led us to believe that a couple of weeks ago in a conference call. Per usual, Belichick beats to his own drum. He doesn't take a quarterback. He gives us a giant middle finger in the process. And so, with that said, I ask you, Kevin Stone, what are your thoughts on the Patriots not drafting a quarterback? Were you surprised? Uh, Surprised, yes, uh, but I didn't hate it. Uh, As you are well aware, uh, I actually think Stidham might be okay. Obviously, we don't have much to go off of, uh, mostly just preseason last year. But, look, you have the kid. uh, He was here for a year. He did learn under Tom Brady, uh, whether Brady helped him out much. Uh, or not, is yet to be seen. But uh, I was surprised, yes, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Kevin, because I I was I wasn't surprised. You, you know what I mean? Like for me, it's it's typical Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? Like part of me thought, all right, fine. I didn't see them taking one in the first round. I thought that that was wishful thinking by people around here. I never believed at any point that they were going to draft a quarterback at twenty three. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I didn't think they were going to take one in day two either. But I did think, or at least part of me thought, that they might take one day three. In the end, I'm not surprised. They did end up signing two uh, undrafted free agents and Jamar Smith and Brian Lewerke. Both are guys that I think can come in and compete for that third quarterback job. I do think that there's a good chance they're going to carry three quarterbacks this season. But I'm not surprised. It's it's quintessential Belichick. Again, like I said earlier, he beats to his own drum. He does what he does, and he and he can do that. Even though there's public pressure to draft a quarterback, that same pressure is not coming from the owner. Robert Kraft isn't insisting that he draft a quarterback. Robert Kraft isn't telling him who to draft. And so he can pretty much do whatever he wants, and he's earned that, right? I mean, he's won six Super Bowls here in 20 years. Obviously, they're comfortable with Jared Stidham. And, and, and they feel comfortable enough to move forward with him. And, and look, if they feel that way, and he's had a year in their system, and, you know, you mentioned he learned under Tom Brady. I think it's more important that he's been in this offense and that he watched Brady run the offense and he watched Brady as a pro. I think that's where Brady probably helped him. But I think that they're comfortable enough with Stidham that they can move forward with him. And this is his year, whether Patriots fans like it or not, it's Jared Stidham or bust in 2020. This is going to be his team for at least a year. And I think if he proves that he's the starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, then this is his job for the foreseeable future. And, and, and make no mistake about it, when you look at this Patriots team right now, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, mm-hmm. but when you look at this Patriots team right now, you can't say they're a Super Bowl contender. And then that's not because Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski aren't here anymore. But it's hard to peg them as a Super Bowl contender. But if Jared Stidham plays well, plays within the offense, takes care of the ball, does what he's supposed to, and his teammates 
play well around him. There's no question, particularly with the expanded playoffs, that this can be a playoff team. I think we all agree with that, right? Yes, agreed. Um, I do think Buffalo got better. Uh, I actually think they got much better, to be honest. Uh, I think the Jets and Dolphins both got better too. But, uh, again, he was here with Tom Brady. Now, my only question is, how much did Brady really help him now that we know that Brady was kind of checked out this past year? Yeah, I don't think Brady. I don't think Brady helped them much at all. And it, right. it's interesting because you're seeing this play out now in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, and of course, the speculation about how much longer is he going to be in Green Bay with them drafting Jordan Love. Look, these veteran quarterbacks—they're not going to help these guys. You know, Joe Flacco <laughs> talked about this last year when he first got to Denver. I'm not here to groom Drew Locke. I'm here to be the starting quarterback, and right. so and, and he got vilified for that. But I think. Tom Brady probably helped him in terms of being a pro. But it, but in the end, I think organizationally speaking, they obviously feel pretty comfortable with Stidham. Uh, otherwise, they would have prioritized quarterback this offseason. Now, did this all play out the way Bill Belichick wanted it to? Probably not. I think if Bill Belichick I mean, had his druthers, Jimmy Garoppolo would have been his quarterback the last three years. I don't yeah. think it would have been Tom Brady. But it didn't play out that way. And for the better, I mean, they've got – three Super Bowls since 2014 when everybody was ready to run Brady out of town. But again, I think obviously from an organizational standpoint, they're perfectly ready to move forward with him. And, and, and by the way, let's stop with the nonsense now that it's going to be an open competition between him and Brian Hoyer. <laughs> Brian Hoyer doesn't yeah, He doesn't have a shot at the job. This is I hope Jared, Right. Yeah. So do I, <laughs> this is Jared Stidham's job to lose. And so with that, with that being said, I think this is his opportunity. Now, it'll be interesting to see, depending on how well he plays, if it's a long-term opportunity. But at the very least, it's a short-term opportunity. I think he's the guy for 2020. It's too early to tell if he'll be the guy beyond that. I think he's going to have to impress this year in order to cement himself as a future starting quarterback. Now, speaking of the draft, I do want to shift gears here, Kevin. And I want to talk about this virtual NFL draft. I want to get your thoughts on it. First things first. What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? So overall, I thought it was very well done. Um, what's kind of bothering me right now is guys like Schefter making Roger Goodell sound like a god, uh, saying it was his finest hour. He could not have been more awkward uh, or more contrived, I thought. Uh, now, the fact it went off, you know, with, with no glitches or, or anything like that for the most part, I thought it was impressive. I thought it was going to be a disaster. Uh, but making it sound like they did this, you know, this huge thing. It was just a bunch of guys sitting at home, you know, on their computer. Um, so, again, I thought Goodell was a joke. Uh, but overall, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I thought the presentation was good. Yeah. Hats of DSPN, NFL Network, and ABC. I thought they did a tremendous job getting this entire production off with no glitches. I mean, you had heard the stories earlier in the week that they had some technical issues when they did that that mock draft, that dry run of sorts, if you will. But for them to get this thing off with no issues, no glitches, is pretty impressive. And I guess you could say the only glitch in the whole thing was Roger Goodell, which, by the way, I agree with you. He was so freaking annoying during the whole thing. It, 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 bugged, it bugged the hell out of me when he'd have his back to the camera. At one point, the Vikings are picking, and he's doing the skull thing. Come on, <laughs> Viking fans. Yeah. And then the Chiefs are up at pick 32, and he's doing the chop. Come on, Chiefs fans. Like, just stop. You're not going to endear yourself, man. People don't care. Okay, enough. You know, we get it. You're in your basement in your multi-million dollar home. 
sitting in your hundred year old leather chair, probably pounding a couple of beers off camera, pounding the M&Ms. You're on a sugar high. All that's good. I didn't walk away from this thinking, man, Roger Goodell is such a good guy. If anything, I found him to be more annoying. The other thing that I didn't like about this draft that bugged me was, was this whole thing. While I love that they were in the coaches' homes and in the general managers' homes and in the players' homes, it kind of wore on me as the weekend went on with the whole kids and coaches, kids and general managers thing. It just you talk about contrived. That seemed contrived to me too. I had it by the end of the weekend. I'd had enough of Jason Light's kids. By the end of the weekend, I'd had enough of Matt Lafleur's kids. Give me a break. I don't care. It's, it's great that you're home with your kids and you're getting quality time with them and you're working, but. It, it it wore on me after a while. And oh, by the way, I've also had enough of Nike Belichick. Okay, if I don't see that dog for another year, I'll be pretty happy. It's Bill Belichick, okay? Especially here in New England, we know what he is. Having having him play rope toy with his dog isn't also going to endear him to us. We know what he is. Hey, who knows? Maybe the dog's a better drafter than he is. Yeah, probably. The, <laughs> although, who knows? The dog probably recommended that they draft Kyle Duggar. By the way, I... I <laughs> I did like some of the coaching shots, though. I don't know what the hell was going on in Mike Vrabel's house. I, that that was like, that was like Animal House meets NFL Draft. That was bizarre. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury apparently was also shooting a GQ video out in Arizona as he was drafting his team. Uh, it, it, it was bizarre. I liked Mike Zimmer's house with the. Uh, it was like a taxidermist's dream with the, you know, with the stuffed elk heads and the deer heads on the wall, but. Uh, but overall, again, I thought they did a tremendous job. Kudos to the NFL. Kudos to ESPN, ABC, NFL Network. They pulled it off. It was not, It was a nice distraction for three days. I don't know what the hell we're going to watch now until this thing passes. But, <laughs> but hat tip to them. I thought they did a tremendous job. Now, okay. shifting gears here, I want to focus on the Patriots draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- when you look at this draft, it's interesting because we ran a poll yesterday on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I basically, and by the way, I don't like grading drafts. I think it's annoying. I hate when people do it. It drives mm-hmm. me nuts. Mm-hmm. But I put out a poll simply asking people, how would you grade this Patriots draft? And I didn't get into pluses and minuses. It's either an A, a B, a C, or a D. Uh, most people graded it a B. Mm-hmm. So I ask you this, Kevin Stone, mm-hmm. how did you grade this Patriots draft? Originally, uh, I was a B as well. Uh, the more I think about it, I'm leaning uh, a little bit closer to a C, probably. Uh, again, I know we've talked about this, but uh, a Division two guy, we have no idea if he's going to be able to play or not. Uh, but you're going to get some some odd looks, no matter what, if you take a guy, you know, from Division two. Uh, but some of the other picks, the linebackers, I really like. Uh, I wanted them to go defense. They did. Uh, I like the idea uh, of a Michigan guy along with Winovich. Uh, another, you know, another guy now uh, being able to pair him up and, and Jennings from, uh, from Alabama as well. Uh, I like the idea of, you know, those big time program linebackers coming here and, uh, and playing for Belichick. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think when you look at this draft, I think five years down the road, when we critique this draft, like we've been doing every other Patriots draft, it seems for the past two weeks. <laughs> I think when we look at this draft, obviously Kyle Duggar is going to be the, the player people are going to talk about and whether it's, it's right or wrong in many ways, his performance in the next four years is going to determine the fate of this draft class, mm-hmm. because you saw it in 2016, that was a pretty good draft class, but what do people remember from that draft class? They don't remember Joe Tooney. 
they remember Cyrus Jones. Yeah. Okay. And so I think in many ways, this draft could be similar. Now, I like Kyle Duggar, the player. I really do. My issue with that pick was not the player. It was the need. Did you really need another safety? I, I get it. He's a three-level talent. He can do a lot of different things for you defensively. He can play in a lot of your sub packages. He can also return kicks and be a factor on special teams. But he's also 24. Now, the D2 thing doesn't bother me. I don't care. I've coached at that level. I, I feel that there's a lot of players at that level that at least deserve an opportunity to go to camp with NFL teams. I understand that teams shouldn't necessarily draft too many of those guys at the D3 and D2 college level, but I do think that there's players at those levels that deserve an opportunity to go to camp with somebody and, and prove their wares. And I think in this case, you're getting a very good football player. I'm just not sure that the need was there for another safety when you just re-upped McCourty. You have Chung. You just signed Adrian Phillips. You're already pretty deep at that position. I'm, I'm curious to see how he fits in. Now, I loved what they did the rest of Friday night. I love the Uche pick. Mm-hmm. I love the Anthony Jennings pick. I think both of those guys are tremendous scheme fits. When I was doing my daily mock draft leading up to the draft, I probably mocked Anthony Jennings to them more than any other player. And, and I think, again, when you look at what he does as a pass rusher, what he could potentially do for them in coverage, in many ways, he's a poor man's Dante Hightower. So I think that they got a lot of value with those two picks there. I also love the two tight end picks. I know a lot of people were clamoring for Cole Komet or Adam Trotman, but when you look at the tight end class in this draft, there really wasn't a big gap between those guys and Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. And so I think that the Patriots got a lot of value with those two picks. I know some people were critical that he gave up the two-fourths and a future sixth to move back into the third round to get Keene, but I think he's a tremendous fit in this offense. I saw him play in person last year covering uh, the Boston College-Virginia Tech game. I think he's a guy that they're going to get a lot of production out of right out of the gate. Both tight ends, I feel, they're going to get a lot of production out of. I don't have a problem with Belichick training back in to get him. The problem I have with this draft is day three. I don't think they got anything out of day three other than Heron, the offensive tackle from Wake Forest. Aurora Wasser, to me, wasn't even the best kicker on the board. You know, the, the, the number one kicker was on the board there when you drafted him, and you could have taken the number one kicker on the board. So that didn't make any sense to me. And then on top of that, you then take a linebacker, a fat guard, no pun intended. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a fat guy myself, so I'm not, I'm not calling him fat to mock him. But again, you're talking about a guy in Onanwanu that needs to lose some weight, right? And so. You, you, here we are saying, all right, well, they're going to take a quarterback day three. They're going to take a receiver. No, instead they take three offensive linemen, a kicker, which they had to, and then a linebacker who, while he pops on film because he makes a lot of plays and he's around the ball, especially when there's turnovers, he's also out of position a lot, and he probably projects strictly as a special teamer. So I kind of felt like they could have gotten more out of day three. Um, I know a lot of people were hoping for a receiver. I, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. Why would you take a short-armed 6'1", 295-pound center like Dustin Woodward with that seventh-round pick? Why not take a receiver? It's the deepest receiver class we've ever seen. There was still some quality on the board there. Take one. So uh, I, I didn't like what they did day three, although I will say I do like what they did with the UDFAs. I thought they brought in some 
quality players, um, you know, in terms of undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. Jake Burt out of Boston College. Um, tight end. He got 80000 by the way, to sign, which tells you that they must really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamar Smith, Brian Lewerke, who I mentioned earlier at quarterback. They brought in three receivers, uh, a couple more linebackers, a couple more defensive tackles. I like what they did, but day three left uh, kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. Overall, I gave him a C. I, I, I liked this draft, especially in the middle. I didn't love it. The bottom line is the strength of this draft, in my opinion, was Uche, Jennings, and the two tight ends. I think that's going to be the best part of this class. And five years from now, when we're talking about this draft, those are going to be the players, in my opinion, that are going to make this draft. So, yeah. No, I, I do like – overall, again, I thought it was okay. Uh, in terms of the, the undrafted free agents, uh, just real quick, Hastings. Uh, Jared said slot receiver in college. I love the idea of having a guy that you already have some chemistry with. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, I agree with you. I mean, he missed all of last year with a knee injury. Right. But the, the year before that, he definitely had a chemistry with Stidham. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they see that. I mean, the other thing with Hastings is you're talking about a guy who's 5'10", 175. He's a slot receiver. And, yes. and he's a guy that right now, if he makes the team, will make the team because of his return value. Uh, I'm not sure he makes the team straight up as the, the fourth or fifth receiver. But I think when you look at him, you look at Riley, you look at the, what they added – in the, in the free agency part of the draft. I think they added receivers that are uh, on the smaller or average side in terms of size, but they're quick and they're versatile. And we all know how much Bill Belichick loves his versatility. So I, I and, and look, we laughed, but you and I both know he values availability and versatility more so than specific traits. Right. And that's why you draft guys like Uche and Jennings and, uh, you know, Aussie, Aussie, and and Keen. These are guys that can wear multiple hats. And I think when you look at their undrafted free agent class, it's guys that can wear multiple hats. I can see Hastings making this team. I know a lot of people have Jacoby Myers locked into a roster spot. I don't. He's going to need to have a really good camp, assuming there is camp. He's going to need to have a really good camp to make this team. I don't think it's a lock. I, yeah. I think a lot of people have – have him earmarked for making the final roster, but mm, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a little bit higher on uh, their receivers than some people are. I was stunned to see them not draft one, but uh, I do think Harry can pan out, and I do think, you know, with Brady not there to to kind of pick and choose who he wants to throw to and, and having Stidham be the guy who, who really is now throwing to the open guy, uh, something I don't know if Brady was doing much uh, towards the end of his career. I like the idea of, of these receivers here, and, and who knows? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Brady not throwing to younger guys. Those younger guys, I think, are going to develop under Stidham. I think Agreed. playing with Stidham is going to help Nikhil Harry. It's going to help Jacoby Myers. It's going to help the guys they brought in. Now, conversely, guys like Mohamed Sanu and Julian Edelman have to also help Stidham's development. Not only right. do they have to help those guys come along, but they got to help Jared Stidham come along. But I think the chemistry that he's going to have with those young receivers, if he can develop that chemistry early on in camp with the veteran receivers, I agree with you. I think they're going to have a pretty good receiver room. I, I think people are really down on this receiver room because they look at Edelman's age. They look at Sanu's lack of production the time he was here last year. Harry didn't really play much last year. It was barely a factor. 
Uh, Myers was more of a training camp early season surprise, and then he kind of disappeared. I think that there's a lot of trepidation there with Patriot fans, but I do think that that could be a really productive group for them if they get them all on the same page. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that Bill Belichick did enough this weekend to keep the Patriots in Super Bowl or playoff contention? Super Bowl contention, no. Um, I think Baltimore got even better than they already are. Uh, Kansas City, you know, is still that that top dog at the AFC. Uh, in terms of the division, maybe. But again, I think Buffalo, the Jets, and Miami all got significantly better. Uh, I really think Buffalo is the team to beat in the AFC East this year. Uh, again, if the wide receivers do what they can do on offense, then that might be a different story. But for right now, no. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to be three and thirteen, four and twelve. But uh, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team by any means. Well, no, I agree with you. I, I don't think they are either. Are they a playoff team? Yeah, they could be. I mean, when you look at the AFC, it's top-heavy. Mm-hmm. You've got Kansas City. You've got Baltimore. You've got Denver, who got a lot better this weekend. You've got the Chargers. You've got Pittsburgh. You've got Houston. You've got Tennessee, Indianapolis. It's, it's really Kansas City, Baltimore, and everyone else. Right. And I think that all of those teams got better this weekend. The problem is going to be their division. You mentioned Buffalo. Buffalo right now, at least on paper, is the best team in the division. They should be favored going into the season. I think they're going to win the division. They're my pick to win the division. I think the Jets and Miami got better. I think the Jets got better adding Mekhi Becting. You add uh, Denzel Mims now to that receiving core. They added some nice pieces. With Miami, it, regardless of who they drafted after Tua Tungavailoa, we're going to judge this draft on what he becomes. And I think Tua Tungabailoa, if he stays healthy, is a franchise quarterback. So they finally may have found their quarterback. So there's no question. The days of us sitting there saying that those three teams closed the gap with the Patriots, those days are over. Between Brady bolting and free agency and between this roster all of a sudden going from one of the oldest rosters in the league to one of the youngest, that gap is no longer there. In fact, the Patriots are now the the Hunters and the Bills are going to be the hunted because they're the best team in the division. So he didn't do enough to keep them in Super Bowl contention. If they were to make a run this year, it's because Jarrett Stidham played over his head. Right. It's because they stayed healthy. It's because a lot of things went their way. Now, I think they'll be pretty good on defense. You still have a lot of talent on that side of the ball, and you still have some pretty good leadership. Let's not discount guys like Hightower, Gilmore, McCourty. These guys have been around for a long time. They've played a lot of football. They've played in a lot of big games. These are the guys that are going to be the linchpins of that defense, and they're going to be some of your leaders on this football team. So I wouldn't quite write this team off. I still think, despite having a tough schedule, I still think this is a team that could win 10 games. I don't see them winning more than that because that would mean they'd have to upset a couple people. But I think 10 and 6 gets you in in the AFC. That's probably anywhere from a 5 to a 7 seed next year. So I could see them winning at least 9, but more than likely 10 if Stidham plays well and they stay healthy. Speaking of Patriots teams of the past, fullback James Devlin announced his retirement yesterday, and it's interesting because here's a guy who's a three-time Super Bowl champion, but he doesn't really get a lot of credit for how important he was to this team in these last three Super Bowl runs, not only on the field, but he was really a glue guy in the locker room. Yeah, no, um, in general, again, I'm not really um, the biggest X's and O's guy. So I didn't fully appreciate Devlin uh, really until that Rams Super Bowl. Um, you know, he was a clear, clear advantage for that team. 
Uh, and then obviously they missed him significantly last year and it stood out. Uh, I think people just don't really realize, you know, how important the position is to this team in particular. Uh, you know, a lot of teams have obviously phased out the fullback uh, as a Packers fan. I know the Packers are still pretty heavy with the fullback sometimes, but for the most part, a lot of teams don't use them and they're underappreciated. Uh, and I think he was too. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it, you know, and I think, it's, it's hard to lose sight of what a fullback does for your football team until you rely on him. And you made a good point. That 2018 team became a real heavy 21-22 personnel team. And they were able to run the football to an AFC championship game. They threw the football with a lot of success in that game, won that shootout in overtime, but then had to rely on that style mm-hmm. to win a Super Bowl and beat the Rams. And I think that Devlin played a key part on that team in that Super Bowl run, not only for what he did as, as a lead blocker, but obviously what he's done his entire career here as a special teamer. Look, he's going to be missed. And, and sometimes in sports, we tend to overstate leadership and how important it is. It's really important. This is a, this is a guy who I don't want to get too, too cliche, but he's a lunch pail guy, man. He mm. brings a hard hat. He brings a lunch pail to work every day. He, he's coachable. He does what you ask him to do. And, and, and he's a leader. Guys gravitate to him. So not only does he do his job, but he also gets other guys to buy in and do their job. And that's the other thing with this, this team that concerns me a little bit is you've lost a lot of leadership in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's easy for us to sit there and talk about the production they lost on the field, but you lost a lot of leaders, man. You know, forget about the impact of losing Tom Brady, but now you, you, know, you lose a guy like Devlin. You lose a guy like Van Noy. I mean, those guys were, were leaders in your locker room. They were guys that the young players turned to. Now, they still have, as I mentioned earlier, I still think that they have an abundance of leadership there, mm-hmm. but certainly they're going to miss a guy like uh, James Devlin. And you mentioned the Packers. <laughs> you, now, here's the thing. Obviously, this is a New England Football Journal podcast. We mm-hmm. focus on New England football. But that's not to say that we can't veer off. And I and we're going to do that in the coming weeks. We're going to have to veer off of because course. there's only so much local football we can talk about. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Green Bay Packers. Every year, we sit here and we critique every single one of Bill Belichick's drafts and what mm-hmm. we like about it and what we don't like about it. The Green Bay Packers are probably the most ridiculed team in the league right now in regards to what they did this weekend. Now, I've had a lot of people ask me because just so people out there know, I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, lived there until I was four. I am a Patriots fan, but I'm also a Packers fan. Like I said, I was born in Milwaukee, kind of in my blood. A lot of early pitches of me as a little John Serenitas wearing Packers (laughs) gear. I'm also a shareholder. Now, on Thursday night when they picked Jordan Love, I lost my shizzle. I lost my mind. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You got to the NFC Championship game. You're one step away from the Super Bowl. You can contend again next year, and you don't add a piece on either side of the ball that can help you. You don't add a receiver that could help you. You, you, you don't add an outside linebacker that could help you. I mean, at, at one point, I'm like, you know what? They're picking 30th trade out and grab Cole Komet, grab a tight end or Adam Trotman that can step in and help you right away. So needless to say, Thursday night, I was, I was rip shit. But then I realized, you know what? I know what they're doing now. And what they're doing is simple. They're going to model their offense after the 49ers, after the Ravens, after the Titans. Matt LaFleur, don't forget, came to Green Bay from Tennessee, who was the Titans offensive coordinator. 
Right. Matt LaFleur is a protege of Mike and Kyle Shanahan. So guess what? Matt LaFleur wants to play the same way as those teams do. And that's what I think is the impetus of this draft for the Packers. They're transitioning to that style of play. They're going to be a more physical football team that's going to run the ball downhill, try to play good defense, good special teams, and protect their quarterback. And so what does that lead to? That leads to people speculating that that's it. Aaron Rodgers is gone. They're going to trade him out of town. It's over. Well, not so fast. First of all, I still think he plays there for another two years because they can't afford to move on from him, particularly in 2021, because he would be a huge number on their cap if they caught him or moved on from him. So he's their quarterback for the next two years unless he makes things so difficult that they don't have a choice but to move him, in which case that would cripple their franchise because he'd be on their books. Mm -hmm. But it is an interesting situation because it just goes to show you how much a player of Aaron Rodgers' stature can, can dictate the narrative, if you will. Right? I mean, you're seeing all these statistics coming out now where he's only thrown one touchdown pass to a first-round receiver, and that I was could, Mercedes Lewis last year. I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I couldn't believe it either. But guess what, man? Look, I understand that. And I get people saying, what? What, what do you mean? Look at Tom Brady's throwing to 105 first-rounders, and Peyton Manning's throwing to 238 first-rounders, yeah. or 238 touchdown passes to first-rounders. Yeah. Look, I get that, but Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl. Okay, he won the Super Bowl, and the, the Packers won it in 2010. So he's won a Super Bowl throwing to these second, third, and fourth rounders. The bottom line is it doesn't matter what round those guys were taken in. If those guys are the right guys and they fit the system and they're producing, you're going to win regardless of where those guys were drafted. And I think people are missing out on that. So, yeah, I was in this whole, what the hell are they doing brigade on Thursday night? But then as I started to see what they were doing as the weekend went on, it's clear as day. They're not going to be the 11 personnel, spread them and shred them Packers of Mike McCarthy. This is going to become a physical downhill football team. And I wouldn't be surprised if the impetus of this downhill running attack is A.J. Dillon from Boston College, who they drafted in the second round. Now, let me ask you this. Have you been watching The Last Dance? Of course. Who has it then? Right. Well, it's <laughs> funny because... You there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's funny because, uh, you know, when you... When you when I look at it, right, like, you look at those 90s Bulls teams, and there's a lot of stuff that's going on there that you didn't know about, mm-hmm. right? And now you're seeing a lot of it come to life, like... Sure, we knew that Dennis Rodman went to Vegas, but we had no idea what the hell he was doing in Vegas. No. And we certainly and, – and I had no idea that Michael Jordan had to go pull him out of a room and get him to basketball practice and get him thinking basketball again. Like, the, the whole thing is crazy. It's been fantastic. I think episodes one and two were awesome. Three and four were awesome. It, le- it just – by the time you get to the end of the second episode – it leaves you wanting more, doesn't it? Don't you just want the next episode to 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 air at that point? Yes, and uh, it's funny. There's two kind of takeaways I've had. Now, I've, I've told you this before. I was born in 88, so I don't remember that first part of their run. Their second part, you know, 96, 97, 98, I remember pretty well, and, and those teams are obviously very popular. But to see that Dennis Rodman story and to kind of, kind of just compare it to 
you know, today's athlete. If Randy Moss had asked Bill Belichick for 48 hours of vacation in 2007, he would have laughed his ass off in Randy Moss's face. Um, so that kind of story is incredible to me. The other thing I took away from uh, this past weekend is the way Jordan handled that last season. Uh, it's very similar to how Brady went out this year. Uh, there were just, I feel like there was more questions towards Jordan uh, than there was to Tom Brady, but the series as a whole has been outstanding. It has. And, and I got to tell you, look, you know, we needed this now more than ever. Obviously, we've talked about this ad nauseum that there's nothing else on television, <laughs> um, but it has been fantastic. It's riveting television. It's amazing to me that they sat on that footage for 20 years. I know. It's hard to believe that it took 20 years for them to do something with it. But but they have done a tremendous job with it. And I got to tell you, you know, you talk about you forget, right? And, and I don't want to sound all nostalgic here, but sometimes you take for granted. I shouldn't say forget. Sometimes you take for granted Michael Jordan's greatness. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we didn't like you take it for granted because he hasn't played in 20 years. And so you're sitting there and you're like watching this and you're like, man, how could anyone think that anyone else is the greatest basketball player of all time other than Michael Jordan? It, it mm -hmm. just it doesn't add up to me. I don't know how anybody can think LeBron James at this current moment is better than Michael Jordan. Sure, LeBron James will have played more years. He will have scored more points. He will have had a more decorated career, mm -hmm. but he's not going to, unless he wins two more titles and at least gets to five, I just don't see how you can put him in that conversation. And well, so, especially especially with Jordan going through, you know, those bad boys piston teams and, and getting his ass kicked on a, on a regular basis. Well, that's just it. You know, and, and you think about it, how would, LeBron James do against those types of teams? How would LeBron James do playing in that era? You know, right. We're playing, he's playing in an era now where, you know, if you blow at a guy, it's a foul. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, it's, 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 look, it's apples and oranges. And, and I think a lot of people ultimately, when you, when you sit back and think about it, you can't compare the two players. I mean, you, you look at a lot of those scores in, in that era. It was, you know, yeah. 90 to 85. Yep. That's not the NBA today. Nobody plays defense. Even <laughs> if you try to play defense, you can't put a finger on a guy because it's an automatic foul. It's a lot different league now. So I think that mm -hmm. lends even more credence to what Jordan did in his era. The fact that he was averaging 30-plus points per game in that era when teams were playing half-court basketball and they, and they were hacking the hell out of you when you went to the basket speaks to his greatness. And by the way, I, for those people that defend LeBron James out there, can you spare me with the he's the better athlete narrative? <laughs> I mean, you kidding me? <laughs> Did you see how long he right. was in the air when he hit that game-winning shot against the Cavs in 89? Don't, don't sit there and tell me that LeBron James is a better athlete. He's the bigger athlete. But if you're going to pound for pound look at them, if you're going to be willing to take something away from Michael Jordan athletically, when you compare them, that's ridiculous because he was a tremendous athlete, certainly the best athlete of his time at that point. Just look at load management these days. Jordan would have laughed it off anytime anyone ever asked him for it. Right, exactly. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's a, it's a different world now. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, again, I'm John Serenitas, joined by my partner in crime here, Kevin Stone. You can find us on Twitter. Kevin can be found at, at KStone06. I can be found at UFTBJ. 
Of course, you can always follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Until next time, John Serenitas, Kevin Stone, peace. See ya.